Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join, and you can make your first sports bet, and they're going to make it even easier for you by giving you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code BELIEVE50. So that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. BetOnline, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. I am Taylor Davis, joined, as always, by Jason Campbell. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Hope you've had a great couple of weeks since we last spoke. Guys, football is upon us. It's officially week zero, which means there will be college football on our TVs this weekend. And there will be every weekend from now until the beginning of January. And that is just a thing of beauty. So we're in high spirits around here. Hope you guys are as well. Jason Campbell and I here to break down a little bit of what's going on on the planes, but we have someone who is thoroughly equipped to do just that, who will be joining us in just a few minutes. He covers Auburn for a variety of platforms, Auburn Undercover, 247 Sports, you name it. He's all over the program and, and covering a, a great deal of our sports and programs and events around Auburn. Jason Caldwell will be joining us at the end of the episode to give us his take on this football team and the upcoming season as he has been on the ground at camp and can give us a lot of great perspective. So it's a great interview. You want to stick around for that. He's He's got a lot of inside information. So JKM, I know that this time of year probably was always exciting for you back in your playing days. There's a buzz around campus. The students are back. You know you're about to be under those lights. Take us inside a little bit, man. How, how are those guys probably feeling at this point? 
Oh, they're excited uh, just to get, you know, football going. You know, you get tired of kind of going against each other in practice and beating up on oh, yeah. each other. And you, you're kind of ready to play play somebody else and beat up on another team. And, you know, these guys are one week away. They can start to feel the atmosphere. They can start to smell the popcorn in the stadium. And I yeah. think what makes things so intriguing about this season is there's so much unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think that what makes it so intriguing to, to follow as a fan, because yeah. you really don't know what's going to happen. And in years past, when you kind of didn't, didn't kind of have these predictions on what to happen, Auburn usually fares pretty well. So yeah. this is a season where the schedule favors us in the first half, but in the back half, it kind of goes against us a little bit, but it's all about confidence. And I think if this yeah. team can find a way to take that one game mentality, if you can find a way to get five and zero off your first five games, Anything can happen after that because now you're playing with a bunch of 18 to 22 year old guys that are riding high off confidence and just have it in them to just, they feel like they can't be beat. And when you have that type of mindset, it propels you into having a really, really good season. So I'm intrigued. These guys can't wait to get out there. When you lost your last five games to end the season and, and last year in 2021, you want to hurry up and get to that stadium next Saturday to get this victory and get it, get that bad taste out of your mouth. It's been a long time since these guys have had an opportunity to taste victory and they're itching at the bit to get out there. So I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, there's a lot of great things that, uh, you know, transpired, you know, during this time because of what they went through this off season. I right. think togetherness is the biggest key. I think it forced this team to come together. I think it forced, some things that was in the air to be talked about. I think it it forced this team, both coaches and players coming from different atmospheres of the country, having to piece together. I think Coach Harson learned a lot from being at Boise and then coming to Auburn and really didn't know what he walked into the first year. And mm-hmm. now having that experience where he's experienced playing in the SEC, realizing the gauntlet of a schedule, probably has also changed his mindset on how he approached the season, how he approached practices, how he approached getting his players prepared. I think a lot has transpired and how he communicates, which is the biggest key. So I think there's things that had to happen in order for this team to propel when you're dealing with so much newness. And I think if this team has handled it the way I think, and I've heard that they've handled it this offseason, I think this team can get off to a fast start. They're going to have to. I mean, I think that, like you said, they feel or they should have a bit of a chip on their shoulder, not only the way season ended last year and feeling like you let so many slip through your fingers, you know, South Carolina, even the bowl game. I mean, the way that that closed out, I it was not indicative of the talent that was on that team. And I think that they, a lot of them still carry that. But then, like you said, the off season and feeling like, this program was honestly looked down on for the past several months. I mean, Auburn was spoken of in such negative light and it really, that doesn't tell the story of the university and of the fan base and of the character of this team. So I think that they're, they're wanting to rewrite the story. They're wanting to correct the narrative and they get the chance to do that next week. You're absolutely right. And they get the chance to do it five times on their home turf. And we all know the power that Jordan Hare stadium has. I mean, it is a special place. It is a tough place to play. I said it a couple episodes ago, Greg McElroy said it is the toughest environment he ever played in. So it is a place that can certainly be put in 
the advantage column when you look at these games, but it's got to be a team with confidence. It's got to be a team with identity. And that's something that we maybe don't know yet, but we don't have to as long as they do. So I think that it will be important that they get off to a strong start. You've got two games that people are already circling as wins, but that team can't necessarily have the attitude like that, because as we're going to talk about with Jason Caldwell, Week two ain't going to be a sleeper for uh, several reasons, so we'll get into that. But um, obviously a a huge conversation topic right now, heck, especially today, is the quarterback situation as everyone is expecting Coach Harson to make an announcement fairly soon. He actually gave today as a potential day, but definitely said by the end of the week. So everyone is kind of uh, refreshing their feed a little bit, seeing when that's going to come out. But uh, I'm going to get your input on that. But a couple heartwarming notes I just want to give. There was a scholarship awarded this week in Jordan-Haired. They put it up on the big screen. Teen celebration. His family was there. It was a beautiful moment. And one that deserves spotlight because I think we talk too much about negatives and not enough about positives in sports a lot of the time. And, and this is what it's about. Walk on Jake Levant earned his scholarship and it was awarded to him at the end of practice. His teammates really, I feel like this celebration showed what he means to this team because they all celebrated as, as if it was their scholarship, you know? So uh, if you haven't seen that video, go over to Auburn football's Instagram, Twitter, they put it up. It was a really special moment. So congratulations to him. Well-deserved. And then another heartwarming story and one that we'll just file under makes a lot of sense. Five Auburn offensive linemen have signed an NIL deal with Hooters. And I just (laughs) love every bit of this. They actually signed the NIL deal with offensive linemen from other schools. I think there were 10 maybe that Hooters signed to an NIL deal. Brilliant branding, might I add, brilliant marketing makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Hooters ultimately saying that they wanted to give some love to guys that maybe aren't going to get the whopping deals that the quarterbacks and running backs are going to get, but guys that certainly deserve recognition and, uh, and, and support. So I just love that. And I thought that that was a really iconic oh, marketing it ploy. It is. It is awesome because... Right? You know, they're going for the wings, not the things, you know, so, you know, that is hilarious. Well, I, I wanted to get some shout out to that because I thought it was very smart on their marketing team, but okay. Before we bring Jason in, cause obviously we're going to talk about this in depth with him, but I want your perspective on the quarterback situation because it seems to have turned a corner a little bit and one that I have certainly gone on here and said, I did not foresee happening. I did not think that this was really going to be how things shook out, but now all reports are saying that TJ Finley is going to be the guy that he is going to be given the reins to start the season and command this offense. A lot of which because of his familiarity, he's got some games under his belt. He's got a year in this system. You know, he had the opportunity to kind of watch Bo and and learn the system from the wings. And then he had to step in the latter half of season and um, do so not in the best conditions. He, he sustained an injury toward the end of season as well. But um, I think that there, where there is consistency in his experience, there is inconsistency in his performance. And I want to get your take on that because I certainly think that, you know, being a veteran and and having the years of understanding is fantastic, but this guy has shown inconsistency in his play and technique. And I don't really know where that levels out. So talk to me a little bit about the potential that Finley's going to be the guy and, uh, and, and really what you think has led to that decision. 
Yeah, for me, I, I just still think it's an ongoing battle. Um, okay. I really think, you know, reports are saying that TJ is the guy, and, and let's just say rightfully so, just because he has more experience in his offense than any other guy on the quarterback roster. And, you know, he's he's played in some games last year. He's come in, he's had to start. So, you know, he knows kind of like the how Coach Harson and them like to prepare weekly uh, for game plans and different things. And, you know, I've heard he's improved over the offseason. I've heard he's, uh, you know, he's gotten better. But like I say, all of that is good. We just don't know until we get to 11 on 11 in a real game like situations. Mm-hmm. And I think what that, what I'm saying is when the lights come on in a team, gets out there, the first time you hit a hiccup in a ball game, that's where your experience and your leadership kind of shows up. And I think that's when, you know, the reason he's kind of getting that nod is because of that, because Auburn wants to get off to a fast start. Let's face it, you know, everything that's going on and transpired, they don't want to have any bumps in the road. But I also think Robbie Ashford is a guy that's pushing him a whole lot. And I think they're actually helping each other become better. Everyone was high on Calzada coming in. And I was told everybody, I said, guys, you can't just say because a guy beat, you know, help win a game against Alabama that he's the guy. I said, if that was the case, then you wouldn't have gotten a freshman guy coming in that they prefer to go with. I was just like, so it shows you that there's still a lot there for him to continue to improve. So I wasn't ready to just hand him the book like everybody else was. And uh, and I think when you open up a competition, you know, you do push each other. And I, like I said, Robbie is very athletic. He can run. He can extend a lot of plays, and especially when you're dealing with, you know, an offensive line or you're not sure if your centers be there or not. So there's just so many things. And then TJ, he processes the, he possesses the offense fast, processes the offense faster. So he's able to maybe get the ball out quicker on some throws and different routes and everything. But then the thing that hurts him is, you know, his elusiveness, you know, to be able to get away from some of those pass rushes. So there's things that guys bring to the table that are different. And then the, the young guy, you no know, Gurner, like he's a guy that's been highly touted coming out of high school and everything. And let's just be honest, a lot of teams have let a lot of high school guys that's come fresh into the SEC now play. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be like, you know, like, oh, because he came out of high school, he doesn't have a shot at this thing. That's no, Bo Nix was a true freshman starter. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so Bo was a true freshman. So I think the fact that it was a real competitive environment and Coach Harson really let these guys play it out, I think it's going to go into the season. I think this thing, you really won't know who I really, who's the starter, starter, I'm I, until the Missouri game for me, just because people expect you to beat Bursa. People yeah. expect you to come out and compete against a San Jose State team that's going to be very competitive. Let's, let's mm-hmm. not say they're, they're going to be very competitive, but they're still not Penn State. They're still right. not Missouri. They're still not LSU. And I just think when you get against a Penn State team, that's your first real hostile environment and everything. That's when the pressure ramps up. That's when the expectations go up. So can you handle those games if you were one of these quarterbacks in those pressure moments to go ahead and propel above the rest? And then the Missouri game is your first SEC game of the year. Missouri is an improving football team. And they're going to come in here trying to position themselves to try to show that they that they're continuing to improve. So there's so much going on. I just think that you cannot pick a quarterback uh, position to me based off of practice. One, because you cannot be hit in practice. Mm-hmm. And you know this as well as I know this. Like a quarterback is getting hit. 
is a totally different quarterback than standing back there practicing seven on seven. Yeah. And then the other thing is, can you be able to adjust in the game like when their live blitz is coming at you and you know you're going to get hit? Can you deliver the ball where it needs to go? Or can you redirect the pass protection where it needs to go? Or can you elusive get out of get out of a bad play by using your legs? Right. So all of this stuff doesn't happen until we get into real game light atmosphere. And I need the Auburn fan base to be patient with these guys because sure. like you said, they're trying to they're shared, they have shared reps all summer, all spring. So when you share reps, you're not getting every single rep. So you have to sometimes learn from your other learn from the other guy that's in there. When he's getting reps, you're taking a mental rep. Mm-hmm. And we know that a mental rep is totally different than a physical rep. But at the same time, you have to be a student of the game because you only can get make the most of your opportunities that are presented to you. So my whole thing is these guys, you got to lock in. Fan base needs to be patient because uh, Robbie Ashford hasn't had experience since he left Hoover High School. Right. So he needs experience. TJ just transferred in last year, got a chance to start the last half of the season, you know, learning, you know, continue to learn his offense. We say that, you know, it's new for him. We'll see how he starts off this season in a in a new situation. Uh, Gurna coming out of high school, can't expect the kid to come out there and just be lights out. There's a learning curve for him as well. And Calzada, you still can't just close the book on him, you know, like – He's coming over from a new school and he's trying to get acclimated. And he probably realizes how much he misses spring now. Right. Because he wasn't able to be in there in the springtime, get those reps. No matter how much film he watched, no matter how much he stood out there and watched practice, unless you were in there and you're getting those reps, you can't it's hard to get to get better or get fluent within an offense. So I think that's kind of hurt him in this situation. He's been at a disadvantage going into training camp. So I think that, uh, you know, Harston will make the right decision and and they'll continue to carry this thing in. But I do think by week four, week five, that they'll settle in on somebody. But I also no matter I I say Robbie will continue to play regardless if TJ's the guy because it throws another different element at the defense. Even yeah, their like, games are so different. Right. Even if it's for 10 plays, they have right. to they have to practice for that. Yeah. I mean, I think what I said earlier about, yes, he has consistent experience, but he doesn't have consistency and performance. And I think that's what concerns people, because what we have seen from him is a variation of mistakes a little bit. And and yes, it's important that you get those and, and kind of learn how to get past them and improve. And if the coaches are seeing that he has, in fact, done that, then let's give him an opportunity. I think that what you know, we're going to hear from Jason Caldwell are some of the benefits in TJ's game, one of which being his size. He is six, seven. His vision of the field is going to be better and it's going to be beneficial. But I think that what we saw last year was such a drastic change from what we're used to seeing from an Auburn quarterback. He's a very, he is a statue like presence. You know what I mean? He is not a mobile guy. He is not shifty. He will never claim to be. That's not his game. Auburn got used to Bodini. Auburn had success with a Nick Marshall. Like that is what kind of the fan base is expecting out of a quarterback, but this is a different situation. This is a different coaching staff and and they're going to play to each guy's strength. But I think that when you look at the prototype and you look at past success at Auburn, it leans toward a guy like Robbie Ashford, but you hit the nail on the head. This guy has 
not had college experience. You know, he transferred from Oregon. That doesn't mean he played at Oregon. I, I think people are missing that gap a little bit. And he played at Hoover, which is, we all know, a, a very prestigious high school and has great, you know, high school ball. But he's got to get his feet wet, wet in this environment. And I don't think that you necessarily set him up for success if you throw him in there week one when you've got a guy who knows the ropes. He's played in Jordan Hare. He understands this situation. But here's what I think everyone is almost subconsciously doing. And that's the expectation that when we name a starting quarterback, that's it. And that is it. And it is Bible because that's what we got accustomed to with Gus. Gus chose Bo and refused to deviate from Bo, regardless how Bo performed. Harson is not that way. We saw it last year. Bo was struggling in a game that should have been a blowout win. He benched him and put TJ in. This guy is not going to be afraid to make changes in game or in season. And I think that's that's a little bit of the disconnect here. And that's the either major panic or major celebration based on one announcement because we got so used to knowing that okay if this is what we say something's going to be we are not deviating from it that's not going to be the case this year I think that if they give TJ an opportunity it's not because they have written Ashford or Calzada off I think it's because they're going to give him the opportunity to use his experience and his growth and development from last year and put it into play and let these new guys kind of get a sense of of the play of the environment of the system and then if TJ's not performing you have very capable guys in the wings so I I'm with you on that and I think that Auburn fans need to remember that Parsons' outlook on this is not going to be like Gus's. Do I think TJ will be the starting quarterback by the end of season? No, I do not. I don't think that it's going to be the guy that that carries this team to what we all want it to be. So I think that we are going to end up with a different starting quarterback several games into the season. That's my expectation, but I can see their thoughts in terms of why it's beneficial to have him start the season. So with that... I feel like we should get the opinion of someone who has been out there and watching practice consistently for quite some time and can probably shed some light on this decision. And again, the official word has not come out. It probably will be by the time we post this episode, because that's how things go for us. Um, but all signs lead to that being the announcement. So we'll go ahead and bring someone in who knows all too well about what is happening down on the plains. Jason Caldwell. Let's go ahead and let him in now. Everyone, welcome Jason Caldwell. What's up, Jay War Eagle? Yeah, how are y'all doing? We're good. Can't complain. I was joking before we started recording. This is very confusing in terms of looking at my screen right now. I've got Jason Campbell and Jason Caldwell, very similar uh, alliteration we've got going here today. But like I said, super excited to uh, get to pick your brain a little bit as we are incredibly close to kickoff for the Auburn Tigers and obviously a lot of questions still looming around the program and you get to be uh, close to the action. So let's just go ahead and kind of start broad, I guess, catch us up a little bit on fall camp, obviously, you know, spring and summer, we get to hear as much as we can, but fall is really when things start to gel and come together. What have been your takeaways from fall so far? Yeah, you know, I think you look at it in, you know, it's, it camps quite a little bit different than, than when I used to cover that other Jason uh, <laughs> they were playing football. It's a, it's a little different now um, yeah. because of the time spent on the field. Um, you know, they used to have two a days and it did all those things. Now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a shorter time, much more learning involved, much more off field work involved. And I think that's probably been to the benefit of, of TJ Finley. I, I think TJ Finley is a guy that knows this offense 
you know, much better than the other guys at quarterback. And obviously when you have a quarterback competition, that's where everything starts. And, and that's where everything, you know, almost the entire focus is on that. Um, but I think it's, I think it was a big benefit to him that he had a year under his belt in this offense and in this system and kind of understanding what, what Brian Harson and the coaches wanted. And um, I think he's gone out and, 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 you know, done the, the best job of running the show and, you know, mm-hmm. that's what they've talked about. They want. And so, um, I think that's kind of the starting point for me. I don't think it's done in terms of, you know, I think this is something that um, could could go maybe a couple of weeks into the season before yeah. we figure out um, you know, who's going to be the guy. But there's so many other factors involved um, other than just a quarterback for this team. But that's kind of the starting point for me. Okay. Yeah, Jay, that's uh, that's a great point. You know, everyone likes to talk about. You know, let's just go ahead and throw the rabbit out, throw the rabbit out there, and that's the uh, quarterback situation. And you know, for me, it's a it's a two part question. Uh, one is, you know, the difference that you've seen from Coach Harson last year and 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 going into this season that you see from from training camp last year to this year's training camp, and also like you know, the transfer Robbie Ashford and, you know, you have uh, the Gurner kid from high school and Cal Zada, like we understand the quarterback thing is not going to be made here. It'll be made recently, the decision, but I'm like you on this. I, I really think it's going to go into after the Penn state game and even after Missouri game before they settle in on like, okay, who's their guy that they're going to go with for the season? Because even if TJ starts, I think they're going to find room for Robbie to be on the field still because he's too athletic to just not be utilized. So I just think it's going to be an ongoing situation, which could be better for Auburn because, you know, anytime there's a highly competitive atmosphere, it brings out the best in players and makes players not get too comfortable. So, um, you know, we'll just see how it transpires moving forward. But what's the difference between last year's training camp under Harson's first year compared to his second year uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think probably it's been it's been comfort level a little bit. I think everybody's more comfortable. I think the coaches are more comfortable in in kind of being at Auburn now. And and you know you know this time last year, even though um, they had opened up campuses in June to where kids could come on campus and do those things, we were still Zoom call. So mm-hmm. we were still Zoom call, and we didn't have our first in person interview with Auburn until the bowl game. And it, it's hard to settle in and get comfortable with everything when that's the case. And I think everybody's much more comfortable. We've had we've had really good access in terms of camp and, and being around the coaches and players. And that gives you a little bit better feel for a program. And I do think, you know, and, and we'll see how it translates to the field um, because injuries are a factor. Honestly, I, I don't know that I've ever gone into a year knowing less about the opposition that Auburn is going to face. And I do this year because of the transfer portal and because of all the new faces that people have. So you don't know what the competition is exactly like either, but I do feel like that, that this is a team that is, is, is together. Uh, I think they're in, on the right path, but you're right about the quarterbacks. Uh, I've said all along, I thought we'd see multiple quarterbacks in game one. Um, you know, I thought Zach Calzada would be one of those guys early on, but it's been pretty obvious now that, that Robbie Ashford is a guy that, that has earned those reps and he does bring something different to the table. He's really, really athletic. And um, the key words for me were when I talked to a couple of people inside the program and they used the word click. It's, a, it, it's starting to click for him. And I've known Robbie since he was in the 10th grade at Hoover and I know how athletic and he is. He just doesn't have a ton of quarterback experience. Yeah if it can start to, to kind of come together for him with all the other tools he's got, 
then he could bring a different dynamic to an offense that, I mean, let's frank, they, they need playmakers. And if you can find that guy at the quarterback position, then, then that's even better. I want to expound on that a little bit because honestly, I, I keep refreshing Twitter to make sure we're not missing anything while we're recording. I mean, Harson kind of put today out as, you know, a potential of when an announcement would be made and whether that's, you know, to, to kind of just shut everyone up, whether it's, you know, so the team can kind of operate accordingly, I'm not sure, but in terms of, you know, how they've kind of separated themselves in the past couple of weeks, I was with you. I mean, I feel like Jay and I were doing an episode a couple of weeks ago and there were so many videos out of, of Calzada getting reps with some of the, of the receivers and looking so sharp and yada, yada. There was a lot of hype out there about it. And Finley and, and Ashford weren't being talked about as much. And it kind of feels like it's done a 180 kind of quickly and abruptly. And I think obviously the experience factor for Finley does play to his advantage. Like we've said, I mean, when you think about last year, even though we did get to see him in some starts, it wasn't the most uh, seamless opportunity for him to step into that. And then you also throw an injury on top of it, which I think a lot of people forget that, that he was injured down the stretch. He certainly was not at full capacity in the bowl game, which I covered. So when you look at this thing in terms of Finley's development, not just you know, in comfortability or experience, but in this system, what about it is suiting his skill set well? How is he showing improvement from a from a technique perspective? Yeah, I think the one thing about TJ Finley is is that I think he's always had the ability to stand in the pocket and, right. and, and deliver the football. He's really accurate at six seven. He could see everything and, and and do all that. You're right. I think he's healthier. I, I think he's worked on his his mobility a little bit more um, to to be prepared to get out of the pocket. And he's never going to be confused with Lamar Jackson, but <laughs> but but it's a different kind of guy. And so, yeah. and, and and it's kind of my way with with Sonny to share with Auburn baseball. There's a difference between being fast and athletic. Yep. T.J. Finley's athletic. He's not really fast, but he's athletic. And when you're athletic, you can make things happen even without having blinding speed. And so. I think he's done a good job of, of moving around in the pocket some and, and doing that. And you're right. The experience is, is the biggest deal for me and being in the second year of the same system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we got a guy on, on, talking with us here that knows all too well how difficult that is from a quarterback perspective. And you think about TJ Finley, this is, you know, he, he started at LSU. He comes to Auburn, learns a new offense, but now he's, he's back in the same system for a second year that's just a massive deal and something that can't be be understated. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is the, the learning curve, you know, everyone kind of forgets that aspect of it when it comes to playing a quarterback position and I always tell guys like a quarterback can play so much faster when he knows the in and outs of the offense, but when he's having to think why he's playing, it slows his play down because he's not a hundred percent sure on what he's supposed to do. So it definitely pays it pays a difference. And like I said, with Robbie, it's just experience. Like that's just something you can't teach. And you only can get that by getting some playing time. And I think the best thing for Auburn is coming out the way they ended the season is they get the first five games at home. And, you know, you get a chance to build some confidence. You get a chance to get a lot of guys in rotation those first two games uh, for sure before you get to the gauntlet of your schedule. But looking at this Auburn roster and everything like you would think that our offensive line would be much better this year because the experience of the guys coming back, having a sixth year, but there has been a hiccup. And uh, how do you look at Auburn's offensive line going into this season? Yeah, you're right. Um, 
experience and age is not an issue for this Auburn offensive line. They've got, they've got that in bunches when you start going across the board, but you know, if you take a Nick Brahms out of the middle of it, then it, it definitely changes things. Yeah. 40, 40, you know, he's played 40 games, 33 career starts. Um, nothing has been decided on his future, but it, but it, it right now, it sure seems like they're preparing to move forward without him. And so mm-hmm. when you do that, you start to go, okay, how do you, how does that shape the offensive line? Well, that remains to be seen. I do think that Tate Johnson has, I mean, <clears throat> has really come on and you look at the work he's done, he's put in, um, you know, changed his body in, in the last 12 months to, to be more physical, more explosive there. And, um, he's a student of the game, but, but you can't replicate that, that actual real world experience. And that'll be something that will be really important early in the season to kind of, kind of show him, Okay, here's the ropes. Here's what we need to do. The positive is, is that beside him are going to be guys that have played a lot of football or have been around a lot of football for years, whether it's Keandre Jones, Brandon Council, who's a who's a seventh year guy that we haven't seen many of those before. But, um, you know, Cam Stutz has really come on as a senior and starting to, to get, be a guy that I think will push one of those two for maybe a starting job. But then you have, you know, Austin Trotsel, Killian Zaire, um, Alec Jackson, who's a, a six year guy. There's a there's a lot of experience to help out whether it's Tate Johnson or Jaleel Irvin at that center position. But, you know, the, the key, you know, I thought he did a pretty solid job of pass protection last year. The key for that group is going to be, can they line up and run the football? Right. And, 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 and you know, the end of the year rushing average doesn't tell the story. Mm-hmm. You look last year and you go, they, you know, they ran the ball pretty well, but 600 of those yards came in the first two games. Mm-hmm. You look at Alabama and Texas, a- can you run it against Alabama, Texas a- and in Georgia? Right. If you can run the ball successfully against those teams, you're going to have a chance then to, to throw it <clears throat> and, and to score some points. When you're one dimensional, you can, you can almost hang it up. Um, and so that'll be to me, almost, almost as important as what happens at quarterback is, is can they run the football enough to, to take some of that pressure off? I mean, especially the identity of, of Auburn, you know, I think that this is, you know, their, their bread and butter or it want, that's what they want. And we had Cadillac on recently and he is so high on his group and, and his running back room and kind of how they've developed, but you're absolutely right. Like that has to be a dimension of this offense for us to be successful, but I, we're basically just going down the offense right now. I want to talk yes. about this wide receiver group <clears throat> because that's also been a point of you know, not concern, but just unknown, I guess you could say a, a lot of new faces, a lot of inexperience and some guys that really need to kind of click to that next level, regardless of who's at quarterback. We've had a couple, you know, names move on. Obviously, you know, the tight ends are going to be a piece of this thing, but specifically the wide receiver group, who have you seen really, you know, step up to the plate in that role? Yeah. You know, you look at it and that that's a group that has, has some talent. They've got numbers now with five newcomers. Right. And so they've got the pieces in place. Now can you find can you find the playmakers? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's where the rubber meets the road for this group. We saw last year, I thought the second half of the season they started to settle in. And, and Shedrick Jackson was one of the guys that really became a solidifying piece of that wide receiver group. He's back. I think he'll be the leader of that group. Okay. I'm not saying he's going to be the leading receiver, sure. but I think he's a guy that they can lean on tough times, show them the way. And, you know, first and foremost, they got to be really consistent catching the football. Um, mm-hmm. That's when you go back and look at, at last season. And I think, you know, you never know 
you know, how it, how it works. And it, there's always some numbers to fudge a little bit here, there, but I think somebody said that, that one of those sites said Bo Nix's adjusted completion percentage would have been 73% for the year. Um, it, you just got to catch the ones that are, that are there and that helps your quarterback out first and foremost, because first downs are really important and they're going to be huge for this team, but playmaking is, is big. It's such a different world now that you look at, at the Alabamas and, you know, LSU's a few years ago, so many of those big passing plays are balls that are thrown eight yards. And a guy makes like somebody miss and he takes it 70 yards to the house. That's what Auburn has to find. They got to find that guy, whether it's Javaris Johnson or Tavares Dawson. I do think Camden Brown is a little bit of a throwback to, yeah. to the big physical receivers that, that are always successful. You always find a room for, but you start looking at that, can Coy Moore be a guy? There, there's. I expect to see six to eight guys in the rotation with that first-team offense fairly early. I think Ike Hilliard is, is wondering the same thing we are. Okay, who's going to be the guy when the lights come on? And that's the thing about this receiving group. The interesting thing is there's talent. You know, I know a lot of people are talking about the lack of talent, but I think uh, you go out, you get a guy like Coy Moore, you get a Camden – you know, Brown, a guy that, you know, like you said, is a throwback receiver that a lot of people think could be a three and done type of player. Um, you know, I just think that, you know, you get Javaris Johnson, you get him back. You know, he was once in the transfer portal and he comes back. So you have speed. Jay Fair is a speedster. Uh, it's just about putting the right pieces in the right place and making sure that you're working to these guys' strengths and not allowing their weaknesses to show. If something's not good here, don't just not put that guy in that position. I think that's what Ike Hilliard brings to the table because Ike was a player that was tremendous at Florida and then had a 12-year NFL career. And, you know, he knows about the receiver position. He knows the different ins and outs. So I think he would definitely help that receiver room uh, this year from a, from a huge standpoint of making sure that the guys are in the right position and where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Uh, let's just turn our nose to defensive side a little bit. You know, last year, the defense, uh, you know, I say Owen didn't play last year uh, for the most part. And then you got guys like Derrick Hall that's back and, 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 and different things. But who's a guy that's standing out right now in camp? You know, you get the Keontae Scott, the big Juco guy. You get, you know, Jason Jones from Oregon in the transfer portal. You get, you know, Joseph Morris. So it's a lot of guys that are here. But who's the guy that's standing out right now that maybe a lot of people don't don't think of when they read the newspapers or have heard the name of just yet? Yeah, you, you know, the, you're right. There's a lot of ex, there's a lot of experience back on this defense, and and you know, there's a couple of guys for me that I think people need to be aware of for this group. One of them is, is he actually made a bunch of plays last year, but nobody really talks about Ekuliota a whole lot. And I really believe that Derek Hall's going to get up a ton of attention. Kobe Wooden's going to get up a ton of attention. I think Echo Leota is a guy that has a chance to really have a monster season because he's, yeah. I think he brings a ton as a pass rusher, really physical off the edge. And so I like him there. Um, Cam, you know, Cam Riley is another one of those guys that I've, I've seen play since he was a sophomore in high school. And, you know, the first time I saw him, I like that guy has Carlos Dansby qualities. And now you look at him, and, and now he's 6'4", 235. He's starting to look like Carlos did yeah, after they, they moved him from safety to linebacker, <laughs> and he grew a little bit. Um, can he – I think the, the, the question for him, it, it never was an issue with Carlos. Carlos was confident, and he knew it, like going on the field, he was ready. I think for Cam Riley, come from a small school, can he can he believe that he's that guy? Because if he does, then, then I think it's lights out. I think he's going to be really good. So I like him. 
And you mentioned Keontae Scott. Man, he was only on campus about two days before they started practice, and it didn't take him about two more days for people to go, okay, this guy's the real deal. Um, cornerback and nickel, those are positions where you can play early. Um, you know, you don't have to know the entire defense in and out um, to be successful there. Those are guys that I think have a chance. And then Mars Joseph was a, wasn't a transfer that got a ton of attention uh, from Memphis, a little undersized. But, man, he's been, he's been pretty good in camp. Uh, and a guy that I think can help you, you know, spell Colby Wooden and give him a break now and then and give you something as a pass rusher. And that's what they didn't have last year. They didn't, they didn't have that ability to, to go deep on the defensive line. They'll have that opportunity this year. That's huge. I mean, that could certainly play a big factor. You said something that really, I think, is going to be an overarching theme of the season, and that's can he believe that he's going to be great? Can this team believe that they're going to be great? Do you get that impression right now? Because I think obviously given some of the turmoil that this off season has included so much of uh, talk of the turnover of the, the potential coaching change, how last season ended, there has been so much noise. What have you seen in terms of, of buy-in and team unity in spite of all of that? I think it's there. I think it's, it, you know, when I look at it, I think back to, to, to Jason and them in 2004. Yep. I think that team knew how good they were, but I think the LSU game allowed them to, to go, oh, now we can put the hammer down. It, it mm-hmm. kind of said, okay, that's it. That's what we needed right there. I think it's the same thing for this team. Wow. Is it Penn State? Is it LSU? Is it Missouri? I don't know that we'll we'll find that. I don't know that you know it until it's till the season's over with. Maybe that key game, I think 2013, it was a loss. You know, an LSU loss for was a was a big one for that team. Um, but I think there's no questioning for me that no matter how this thing goes, it has to start by being successful at home when you have your first five games at home, especially when you're at you got Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi State, and Ole Miss on the road on, in the second half of the schedule. Oh. I think it's it starts with with confidence and you can you can tell yourself all you want to but you but sooner or later you got to go out and do it and prove it to yourself and I think that's the next step for for these guys. Yeah, most definitely for me I like you know my opinion is is I just think the Penn State game. Uh the reason I picked that game out is because when you lose your last five from last season and you open up against Mercer and San Jose State, everybody in the country expects you to win those games. But your next biggest game since the Alabama game or since the Houston game, your bowl game, is Penn State. And that's why I circle that game. It's a game that we must win at home because it's a huge game. It's going to be national televised. And if you win that game at home, now it's kind of like you get the, the weight off your back. And now you can kind of start looking forward because you can get Missouri. You can get LSU if you get that game because your confidence is where it needs to be. So I circle that game as a pivotal game uh, just because being in that locker room and understanding, like, you have to get that one big game, that big win. And and I think that's the game for, for me. Yeah, uh, we, I, I think it's there. Here, I, I, kind of think, I think about it a little differently. Just, I think it's a huge game. I don't know that it guarantees success if you win it, mm-hmm. but you really don't need to lose it. Yeah. Right. And that's, right. that's kind of where I am. Cause I, you know, I think it's one of those where it's pivotal, maybe more 
negatively, it can be a pivotal one positively, but it absolutely would be if you don't win it. And so, yeah, it's a big game no matter what. Well, I'm going to ask, speaking of opinions, one has been circulating as of late, and obviously we don't put a lot of stock on it or anything, but um, a very bold prediction of Auburn ending the season three and nine, and obviously this is one coming out of Starkville, so you take with it what you will, but in terms of how the schedule is set up right there at the beginning to be so top heavy with home matchups, like you were saying, but they've got that San Jose state game as, as a loss. And actually I have seen quite a few things in, in media, just about, you know, San Jose state, not being one that you necessarily, you know, look past. And we almost did that last season, lest we not forget. That's the first time that we kind of saw TJ Finley come in and, and really save the day, if you will. So I think the mentality in terms of this front five is incredibly important, but the first two as well to, to not get to a point where you're looking past those and uh, kind of putting the, the, carriage before the horse, if you will. But I, I think the benefit that it has obviously is, is uh, an obvious and that's playing in Jordan hair, which is incredible um, environment. We all know that all too well, but in terms of, you know, expectations for this team being so across the board, Jason Campbell has spoken on this quite a few times, that lack of expectation almost, or, or the great flux that it is in terms of what's to be expected for this team it usually sometimes works in Auburn's advantage when Auburn is usually put on too high a pedestal, they almost can't attain it. So I think the, the lack of certainty around this team just allows them to focus inward and, and kind of get to a point of showing that. But I think if you get to a Rocky point by game three, I think that insecurity creeps back in that insecurity that maybe they were feeling in January when, when people were coming for their head coach and when so many of their teammates were speaking poorly about the program, I think that that has the ability to creep in. So I think by week three, you kind of have to have that established confidence and that um, established sense of who you are, what you're putting out there and, and where you could still go. But then when you get into that road gauntlet, I, I think another level has to be reached, right? I mean, that is one of the toughest stretches that you will see in college football for the entirety of this season. So I think that it's, it's going to be a matter of, of kind of those alphas stepping up. I think it's going to be a matter of some of the unknowns becoming knowns, right? And I think it's going to be knowing the identity, even if fans maybe still don't know it, the team has to know it. So uh, Jason, before we let you go, I would just kind of love your expectation or maybe your prediction. You don't have to give us a record or anything, but just kind of an overarching sense of what you think you could end up seeing from this team, knowing what you've seen the past, however many months. Yeah. No, I, I, again, I think it's a team that you're right. I, if, if they can build a little confidence, this team, we, we've seen it. We saw it last year in stretches. They're able to play with anybody. Yeah. Um, can they make the winning plays? And I've kind of, I've, you know, I, I agree on San Jose State uh, just because they're they're going to be very familiar with with Brian Harson, right? With the coordinators, everybody having played them in the same conference. Um, but I, I kind of put this season in where you go Georgia, Alabama on the road, really difficult. Those are going to mm -hmm. be tough ones. The first two games, you feel like okay, those those should be pretty good in your favor. You got eight more games, and I'm including Western Kentucky in that because they've been pretty good. Yeah. You got eight more games that right now I would say could end up being toss-ups. Those could be fourth quarter football games. Mm -hmm. How many of them can you win? Last year, you kind of split them. Um, 
And and when you have Georgia and Alabama on the schedule, that's tough. Can you can you win the majority of those games? To me, that's where this comes down to for this team. Can you make those winning plays? Um, last year, they they did it in a couple of games. They did it against Georgia State. They did it against LSU. But then you look in you know Mississippi State, South Carolina, Alabama. Oh. You had opportunities to change your fortune with just a play or two. Right. That's what this it's going to come down because there's going to be a ton of close games. I, I, I'm we could see, you know, seven or eight teams in this league be from eight and four to to five and seven. Yeah. And jumble in the middle. Can you rise above a few of those? That's that's kind of the, you know where I'm at right now. I tell you what, that's a great insight, Jay. And like I said, you do such a really good job for Auburn and have done for so many years. And I just want people to know a little bit about you before you get off. Uh, and like I said, one, I'm going to ask you your surprise player this year. And then the next one is, what's your favorite restaurant to eat at in Auburn? Wow. And as your go-to, when you got to have it, what's your go-to restaurant? And so those are my last two questions for you. And I'll let Taylor end it for us. Those are important. Yeah. Yeah, um, man, my surprise player, uh, he's not really a surprise anymore, but watching Camden Brown last year in high school, um, seeing him, and, and I, and I kind of hate, I hate to do it this way, but there's, there's really only, because there was a guy that played at his, that same high school um, that, I, that I watched in my formative years that wasn't the fastest, but he was a dog and he was physical. He ended up, wound up being one of the best receivers of all time, Michael Irvin. Wow. Oh, wow. He, he gives me Michael Irvin vibes a little bit. Now, there's a long way to go to, to be <laughs> what he was. But when I see him, when, the way he plays, there's an attitude there that, like, hey, when the football's in the air, it's mine. You don't get that a whole lot. Right. And, and, and so I think he's a guy that I don't know who'll be starting early on. I think he's a guy that's going to be really, really important and really beneficial to this team going down the road. And, Hey, go-tos in, in restaurants, man, I've got a five-year-old now. So my, my go-tos now is wherever she'll eat something, unfortunately. So, um, lots of, lots of good ones. Hey, we like to, you know, we like countries and some of the old, the old schools and then bow and arrow new school for me and everything in between. So, oh man, there is good food around there. I've yet to go to bow and arrow though. That was, uh, after my time, I guess, but I'll add it to the list. Well, Jason Caldwell, like Jason Campbell said, you do fantastic work. It is wonderful to follow along your coverage as, you know, a journalist myself. I have the utmost respect for what you do and how you do it. And Auburn is lucky to have you. So thank you so much for taking some time to give us the insight. We will continue to follow your insight throughout the season, which uh, is sure to be interesting in either way. So we appreciate your time and you're welcome back whenever you'd like. I appreciate y'all having me. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. War Eagle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.